Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it more accessible for horse owners and enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic we discuss that you should get professional advice before implementing any strategies. This week, we're looking at an editorial on horses, saddles and riders applying the science. And this is based on a conference that was carried out by Saddle Research Trust, and that's a charitable organization based in the UK. And the intention of this organization is to um, basically support research into the influence of saddles on welfare, performance and safety of both the horse and the rider, but ensuring that we're using objective scientific methods to um, back up the research that's happening. Um, there are quite a lot of speakers that were involved within this conference and I just wanted to quickly name all of them because this was such an interesting paper to read through so essentially it's like snippets of different research that was presented throughout a day and some of the researchers that were involved were Anne Bondi and she's the founder and director of the SRT we also had Dr. Sue Dyson, which is, well, she was at the time head of clinical orthopedics at the Center of Equine Studies, and that was with Animal Health Trust. There was also uh, Emerita Hillary Clayton, and she's a professor from Sport Horse Science in Michigan. And um, we also had Professor Christian Penham, leader of the movement science group, University of Veterinary Medicine, Vienna. Not too many more to go, don't worry. We had Dr. Katia Gieser von Pennen, and she's from the University of Zurich. We had Dr. Rachel Murray from the AHT again. And then we had industry representatives Jerry Van Osanen, Mark Fisher, and Sue Carson. And finally, we had a talk from a physiotherapist, Tim Piggott. So lots of great minds put together in one conference. And it was a really interesting topic. Nancy, you said we had a request for this one. Yes, um, Anne Goya from the Boston area in the USA um, requested that we talk about saddle fitting. So and this was a good topic for me because I did saddle fitting for some years at Steuben, North America. And I know it's an ongoing issue with riders and their horses, especially um, from season to season because a horse's body shape will change. Um, they may put weight on, they may take it off, their uh, musculature changes with work and maybe more relaxed work. Um, so it's kind of a constant issue you're you know you shouldn't just assume that a saddle fits because a saddle fitter told you that once those dynamics are constantly changing as the horse is changing physically it's um, you know they're not a static fixture they're a living being that is constantly undergoing change and this study is from 2015, this conference. So some um, information has been updated. But what was really interesting is at the time they carried out a survey and only a third of riders actually have their saddle fit checked annually. 
Um, so two thirds weren't having it checked that often, but they actually recommended you should have it checked several times a year. Because as you were just saying, Nancy, like your horse changes from season to season. And what I found really interesting was a fact that I was very much aware of. You know, the shape of your horse's back is different standing during exercise and after exercise. So you should actually be checking the saddle fit in all three of those areas. And that just like once that was said, I was like, that makes perfect sense. And it's something I would have completely overlooked. Yeah. And it's so important to, you know, once you're done riding and you get off, go ahead and and loosen the girth, walk that saddle, that horse back to the barn and take that saddle off so the back can relax and get um, good movement and stretch. You know, a lot of times I'll walk my horse um, out to graze so they can stretch that top line after a session of riding. So our driving, I'll do that as well with a harness. So, but um, I think one of the interesting points in this study was that a well-fitting saddle can also slip easier. So that really stuck out at me because I have a well-sprung ribbed pony and I took such um, time to saddle fit her when I first got her and make sure she had a properly fitting saddle and that was slipping. So in this um, review or editorial, they talked about hind end lameness can create saddle slipping, but also a well-fitting saddle can slip. And it's more often to slip with a light rider versus a heavier rider. So um, that really honed in on me that, you know, she's roly-poly and that's probably part of the slipping, but I bought a a no-slip little pad that's like a small chamois. I put it under the saddle pad and that was the ticket. She was much happier because it kept that saddle from slipping. Now I'm not saying it wasn't me because of some asymmetry within me, but I really try and work on um, equalizing my medial lateral up and down body, but we all have those little weaknesses that seem to come up in our riding. And in this study, they'd said that too, which, you know, I used to always be very conscious about my posture. Um, but I think I probably overanalyzed how straight I was sitting, you know, how well I had my heels down, my shoulders, elbows, things like that. I was very conscious of but I don't think I was overly conscious of how, you know, well distributed I was within the saddle. Cause I think you just take for granted that you are, but they found that 83% of participants showed up to 30% more rotation in the right hip compared to the left. So, you know, rotating out your right foot and they had some great images of that too. And you could see where the rider had worn like, those sensors and they were able to digitalize it and you could just see that right leg was not only higher but also turned out and it's very hard to visualize in the photo of the rider on the horse so having you know your position analyzed is something that's so useful and you can go to saddle research trust all small case 
www.thepeacefulpeoplehealthcenter.com. I'll put a link on our homepage um, and you can see those images because the Saddle Trust has them on their website. It's amazing because looking at the rider, to me, she looks pretty even. You can tell the right foot is a little higher, but not as much as what the, the imaging shows. So um, that was really, really interesting on that asymmetry just doesn't show up with your human eye. And the thing is, too, like that not only has an effect on the saddle slippage in the horse, but on our backs and on like your muscles and the strain you put your body under being off center like that. Um, because it does, like, as you said, in the digitalized, you can really see there's a clear difference. And when you're doing like certain types of sports and horse riding, your body is put under a bit more pressure than others. And we do try and absorb that shock, you know, through our ankles up through our bodies, but being unevenly distributed we're just asking for more rider injury that way as well yeah and it's so surprising how we don't even pick up when we're prone to put more weight in one foot or the other and my trainer always picks it up that I'm a little heavier in the left foot so my right foot is a little higher but um, I think it's from galloping on the racetrack. I had to make that left turn. And so I think I kind of, through muscle memory, I have to really watch that I equal out as much as I can mentally in the stirrups and not create that imbalance. And I use, this is going to date me, but my kids had a Wii Nintendo game that came mm -hmm. with a balance board. I have an old TV hooked up in my basement and I practice on that balance board to maintain pretty much a 50-50 balance on that. So any old video game with a balance board, you can use that or you can buy a balance ball and, you know, that's flat on one end and then curved and you can practice on that even and try to maintain, um, you know, a 180 angle on that and they're actually becoming more popular now because funnily mm -hmm. enough that you mention it um I don't know was it about two weeks ago they had one of those on like an Irish talk show called the late lace and <laughs> they were saying it's so important for people as they're aging to actually use things like those balance boards and balance balls because you prevent falls as you get older yeah, and I use mine. Mine was called a Bosu ball. And I get on it and I try just to hop on, not hold on to anything and maintain that riding posture with that even. Um, and it, it helps me out because as you age, you lose balance. So you have to practice it. And as well, like as you age or even without... Um repetition or other exercise you lose that strength as well that's mm -hmm. necessary to hold you straight in the saddle and to support your core um and the physiotherapist that gave the talk said that strength training yoga pilates all that kind of stability work are recommended to improve your physical fitness so that's something that you need to have and you need to warm up before you ever get on the horse 
Um, and I thought I would just give a quick shout out to one of our followers on Instagram. She goes by the handle fitness for equestrians and that's the number four and her name's Meg Spurgeon and she has some great simple stretches and exercises on her Instagram. So anyone that's interested in just limbering up a little bit more, some exercises to do before you even get up on your horse, take a look at her page because it is really useful. Yeah, and that's something I, I don't do. I don't tend to do a warm-up before riding. I'll do a warm-up before running or working out, but I won't necessarily warm up before riding. So I'm going to start doing that. That makes a lot of sense. And then um, also some of the apps they mention in this paper um, it was, of course, the Coach's Eye, which I all, is one of my favorites. And then... Um, they also had a couple that have now changed, and it's Corex Therapy, which is available at the App Store. And uh, you buy a belt, which is a hun- about $149. And then your smartphone alerts you to your pelvic tilt, your hip discrepancies. And so that can help a person if they're really um, needing that extra guidance. And then there's also the Equestic, and it's a clip that clips on your saddle, and it gauges your uh, riding, your different gates, and it will alert you when your horse seems to make an out-of-balance error. So I thought that was kind of neat because if we are out of balance, we're going to create kind of an imbalance in our horses as well. And that was $149. And that is like, while a little pricey, it is accessible, you know, more accessible than some of the products that are on the market for horses. And I think, you know, if you're investing in a good saddle, you're going to spend a lot of money on that. So it makes sense to just spend a little bit extra. And then, you know, how many people think their saddle is the problem when it could be the way you're positioned on it? Yeah. And sometimes it is the saddle because, you know, when you look at your saddle, your pommel should always be a little lower than the cantle. Uh, in a dressage saddle, your cantle should be, you know, a little higher than in a hunter saddle. So, or a more forward flap saddle. So you got to look at that balance and, you know, you don't want any pressure points. And that's why with my pony, there, this saddle that I had fitted to her had no pressure points. Well, sometimes those pressure points help hold the saddle in place. So, you know, you have to look for bridging pressure points and you'll see that in your saddle pad in the sweat marks when you take that saddle off. And there's so much to saddle fitting that we can't even touch upon it on a podcast, but there is a book that was written, I think like, I hate to say it, but 16 years ago, (laughs) but it's the horse's pain-free back and saddle fit book. And it's by uh, Dr. Joyce Harmon, H-A-R-M-A-N, one of my all-time favorite saddle fitting books, because most times when a horse was really puzzling me about saddle fit, this book had the answer to it. So, um, you know, and sometimes the answer isn't in a pad. It's not in putting more pressure points or moving those pressure points. It's actually in 
the construction of the saddle or the saddle tree or the panels. You have some horses that have a confirmation that they do better in a pedestal panel versus that banana panel. So uh, you have to look at everything and it is so subjective and, um, you know, there's no easy answer. It's really more more art than science. But these new apps and sensors kind of help us with the science part of it. Um, I think as well, was it Anne Bondi had suggested it might be possible to create a smartphone app that would um, be basically more sensitive and take more measurements and I think when it comes to something like this, there is so many ways we can utilize technology more to try and just get more knowledge about what we're doing. Because as you said, it is so subjective, like looking at photos of the riders on the horses, it's not always very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found so interesting as well is that in one of the studies they did, they had 128 lame and sound horses being assessed and they were ridden by at least two riders. And 71 of the horses were lame and over half of those 71 horses had saddle slip. And in almost 100% of the cases, except for two horses, that saddle slip was abolished when the lameness was solved. So this lameness as well wasn't even perceptive to the rider. So the rider didn't know this hind limb lameness was there. So it's worth as well also assessing, is it confirmation wise? Is it your horse? You know, like not just their back and their shape and the saddle and what you're doing. Do they have an underlying lameness that's just not being picked up? Yeah. And you could check in to at your home, whoever, you know, wherever you live, your veterinarian, there is a device called the lameness locator. And it's kind of artificial intelligence. It was um, designed and implemented at the University of Missouri. And it has sensor points, and the computer will pick up a lameness more often than the human eye can. So uh, they mentioned that in this paper, now it's even gotten even better as far as the neural network goes on the entries into that. So if at all costs, you just can't arrive at a a good ending with assessing the saddle and yourself and the horse's movement, you could always try and find a vet that has a lameness locator. And that might end up kind of pointing you in the direction of maybe a little physical therapy on the horse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's so much, it's so involved. And I know when a person has saddle fitting issues, they can get so frustrated. And, um, you know, the answer isn't having four saddles in your room for every season and they're expensive. And um, the only thing I can say is, um, you know, try to saddle fit in a static state but don't discount that when that horse begins to move, all things are going to go, go to pot. You know, yeah. you've got to put the saddle on. What I do is I put a saddle on without a pad, look at the balance 
and then I girth it up and I see what's changed. And then at that point, if I like what I see, I implement a thin saddle pad that's designed mainly to protect the leather from the sweat and then go ahead and girth it up and then send the horse out at liberty to kind of show me, you know, what it's going to look like. And sometimes that's when you want to use your phone to take a video so you can slow it down and look for any rocking or rolling or anything that's going to appear that that saddle doesn't fit. And then at that point, you can go ahead and add a rider and then you fit that saddle uh, to the rider and the rider's legs should be nicely framed by the flap. Um, the calf should be able to be put onto the horse, not where the flap is so long that it doesn't fit the rider that the horse can't really react to the leg. And then uh, it'll just look pleasing. It won't, you know, you want to have maybe four finger space between the side, the rider's seat and the cantle. And then you always want to make sure you have four, maybe three fingers at the withers for your space there. You don't want, I never want less than three fingers because as you ride, that horse's back warms up and that. Um, flexible tree is going to drop a little bit. So you never want pressure on the withers. Then if you have that, your saddle's too wide, the tree is too wide. Um, I just love when you were saying about not having the flaps too long, that they're impeding your leg yep. aids, because it just reminded me of that great image of, you know, when you've got a really little kid that's learning how to ride <laughs> <laughs> and their feet hardly come down below the flaps. No. Well, and some people don't realize, you know, I went to a lot of fittings where, I, you know, um, a short legged person had a saddle that had a long flap and then you see it. It doesn't look right. It You want it to be it just all looks good when things are the way it should be. And you want that leg to be framed by that flap but you don't want it to go past the calf you yeah. know you want the knee secure into the knee flap and then you want that flap ending you know you don't want it to really encroach down into the calf because you're going to use that for your leg aids and this is the second paper we've had that has been recommended by a listener and I just want to say thank you again because this one was really it was great both papers that we've done so far that have, well, to be honest, I've really loved every week that we've done on yes, this. I have too. And, you know, um, I will try put a link to everything, which the Saddle Research Trust and maybe their website has a link to this paper. But, of course, I'm going to reference the paper in case someone might be able to um, resource it on Google Scholar or one of the free platforms. Brilliant. Um, so just to note as well that Nancy and I are starting a Patreon. So keep an eye out for that. We will have some extra little bits on our Patreon and um, just little discussions and some more background information from me and Nancy and things like that. So hopefully we'll have that up in the next week. So keep an eye out on our Facebook and our Instagram 
on our social media because we'll promote it there when it's ready for you guys to have a listen. Sounds wonderful. Thanks, everyone. We really are having a great time doing this. And thank you for helping us uh, keep the motivation to keep this going. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Nancy. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care.